Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Minnie. Minnie. How are you this morning, Minnie? Oh, look, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I discovered last night that I'm trying to read about six books at one point and then like, I was going to sleep, I was like... Man, I need to sleep. I was like, no, must read through these books. I was like, no, self. You have so much other time and so many other things to do. Sleep. <laughs> so are these I books just... that you are, are required reading for your course, or oh, are no, they no. books that you were just uh, you just wanted to read? I probably have a solid like forty books lined up that I'm at all times ready to read. I can, nice. I can. I have, like this. I can have no shoes. Like I probably own like four pairs of shoes, and that feels too much. I can own like very few. Co- but owning no books, oh, no, I feel bare. I just, <laughs> um, but I'm good this morning. I'm good this morning. I was just talking to God about it. I was like, oh, I have a, I, I've got to work on my time management, though. This, work, this, this reading situation is stitching me up. But yes. that's okay. There are worse things, I suppose. There are. How are you feeling this morning? Just amazing. Fantastic. Oh, Blessed. Good. God is good. Yes. Oh. Yes. I concur. Uh-huh. What are you thankful for today? Apart from having lots of books to read, lot <laughs> of my books. So, 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 we in your minimalist lifestyle, though, books are heavy. But I must have them. How do you maintain a big library when you live out of? Uh, let me just see here. On occasions, a very small car. <laughs> I can't see what's parked outside. It's a Yaris. But it's, it's a Yaris. Uh-huh. A Yaris is a really small car. I drove a Yaris in Italy. Oh, nice, nice. An electric one it was very cool. Um, Look, I um, I just do. So they don't stay the same books. So mm, for the most part, some I am a bit precious about. But for the most part, if I've read a book, it goes. So if I've read it, I don't keep it unless I really, really love it. Okay. But what if you want to write something about it in the future and go back and reference it and find out? Well, then that's the stitch-up because I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Go find a library. That's the one. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, okay, so um, between tweets, IMs, Instagram, Zoom, emails, and the general demands of our fast-paced world, snail mail has basically become obsolete. Um, I love a cheeky letter in the mail. Doesn't happen a lot, but every now and then it's nice and fun. Don't remember when I last had one. Really? Oh, they're the best. It's been at least twenty years, I would think. <gasps> I was writing letters this this year during COVID. It was great. One was actual. It took like four months to get to my friend in Germany and then another three months to get back to me. And now I have to write another one back to her. So yeah. So snail mail has really slowed it, down. It, yeah, it got real slow. I think it's picking back up, but yeah, just during those COVID months. But yeah, so the uh, very concerted efforts of a New Yorker staff writer, Rachel Syme, is turning that around a little bit. So she is bringing back, to combat disconnect and loneliness this year, the idea of pen pals. Oh, that's She's cool. bringing it back in. And um, so she set up this thing called Pempalooza. It's an initiative, and it, I don't exactly know how it works, but I guess it's some sort of secret Santa software. So you can, you know, chuck in a bunch of names and it'll just spit you out a new name that you're going to write to. Um, it's gained traction with more than 7,000 participates participants at the moment. Um, so like That's it's, decent. It's pretty good that's for only, a, for only this number. year. Like, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, basically she just put out a post. I think she tweeted a post. I don't have Twitter, but she tweeted this post asking if anyone would be interested, um, sending snail mail to strangers, and people just love the idea. They jumped on board. Some people have sent gifts. They've sent packages of things. Like they've just got right onto it. Um, it. It has taken off a little bit around the globe. You know, sometimes it's just a letter with a bookmark. 
or just a letter. Uh, but yeah, there's one one person who experienced it, uh, who so jumped on board, shared their experience, and they just said, "Well, my first piece of mail arrived. The excitement I felt was beyond reason." <laughs> <laughs> and, People are rediscovering something from a previous century. Honestly, it's the best. Um, anyway, I just thought that was a cool little story. I I just think there is something very special about getting letters in the mail, which are not bills. Those ones are not exciting. When you see a little handwritten something, I'm like, oh, what's this? And then particularly because someone's taken the time. Look, often I don't have anything exciting to say. Oh, 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 wow. Okay. Tell me. I got a handwritten letter a couple of months ago. (gasps) I just remembered. You lied to me. I did. (laughs) I forgot about it. That's exciting. So we've moved into a new home and, of course, COVID. Yes. So people aren't doing door knocking. And so uh, the local Jehovah's Witnesses noted that we'd moved into a new home and and, and wrote us a very welcoming letter, welcoming us to the suburb. Wow. And inviting us to, uh, you know, do Bible study with them anytime we wanted to. I, I declined because... It was not relevant for me. But, but look, it's lovely that they offered. Oh, absolutely. Yep. It was fantastic. I'm, I was sort of sitting there thinking to myself, you know, as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, is this how is is this what I do when new people move into the suburb? Mm. Do they do notice? I write them, do, yeah. I, do I notice and do I write them a personal letter when they arrive? Yeah, uh-huh. It was it's kind little, of special. Yeah, that's so good. It was kind good. of special. It was handwritten. Uh-huh. Handwritten. Uh-huh. Was it good handwriting? Letter. Yeah, oh, unlike nice. mine. I know, mine's was, a bit dodgy. <laughs> It was. I can make mine legible if I try. Oh, just legible. Yeah. Well, I can I mean, read hey, yours. You can read mine. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of that. Yes. Okay. She said that a little. No. Try. Well, I had to like check if I was reading the right thing. Yeah. Okay. So this is your trying effort, or no? This is my scribble. Okay, your scribble. Okay. So you can read my scribble. I can read your scribble. Oh, that's good. You know what? I write with I both scribble hands. Better than I thought I did. And both of them aren't that great, which is a bit useless. Which is? Do you have a preference? Um. No, they're just different styles. Right. It also depends on like what I if I can lean on something or not. So you 100% ambidextrous or nah, just with writing? I wish. Mostly just with writing. When I was a kid in sport, so if I learned to do something with one hand, so I learned to knit originally with my right hand, but then didn't do it for years and learned again predom- like main left hand. So it sort of depends on what I learn um, with. That's yeah, cool. Mostly That's cool. right-handed, but I wish I was full ambidextrous. That'd be the best. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't it ever? Wouldn't it ever? <laughs> okay, so we have another story. Um, we actually have a couple of more stories. I might not get through both of them, but they're both from New Zealand. So Arthur Street Superette is a corner store. So in New Zealand, they just call them dairy, so the dairy down the road. So in this dairy, um, it just got a lot. Got It's like a milk bar. Yeah, it's just a corner store. It's just a really small corner store. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Um, so it had, still is a little bit, um, prey to a lot of robberies. They're not big ones, but enough Corner to be stores, quite annoying. That's kind of what they are like. Yes, yep. And this area in Auckland is just a little bit that way. Um, but yeah, so Pranay Joshi took over it after a robbery, a robbery, sorry, and he knew he wanted to take care of the stuff. So he installed a bunch of safety equipment. So, you know, bars at the things. and Because like the last time all the stuff got chased out, it was just, yeah. yeah. It was okay. Like no one got hurt. It was just, you know, pretty annoying. Uh, so. He's, he's installed all this stuff, but he realised that, you know, stuff is still getting stolen. And he started to realise, hmm, predominantly it's food goods. And he was like, hmm, you know what, I think these people are just hungry. So rather than when he has seen people turning them into the police or anything like that, he's decided to use kindness to meet the needs of the community by creating small food packages. And he's just made it really clear to everyone, if you need something, come to us, talk to us, we'll help you out. And so, you know, they, it can just be like, you know, a couple of loaves of bread, some milk, some eggs, 
just like your real basic stuff, um, and he's finding that it's helping. Maybe not fully. That's interesting. So basically mm-hmm. put up a sign and say, look, if you need something, don't steal. Mm. Come talk come, to us. Come talk to us. We'll give it to you for free. Mm. Because, I mean, if I, was, if I was a thief and I walked in and I saw that sign, I'd be like, you know, I'm not that desperate to eat. Yeah. It would mess with your head. It yeah. would totally mess with your head. I like this. Uh-huh. But, yeah, like one this. of the um, police officers, Don Allen, said that in his opinion it's worth a go, particularly with engaging with young people sure. because Absolutely. if you can help them now and help them make different choices now, possibly long-term you are keeping them out of prison. And you're you know? probably not going to lose anything. Yeah. You know, because you're going to cut down on theft and you're going to give some stuff away. You're probably going to be in the same boat. That's going to be amazing. I like that idea. Yeah, I know. Go him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And somebody else has texted in to say that a neighbour of mine recently received a similar letter to the one that I got from... Um, Local Jehovah's Witness family. Uh, he's a Persian. He's ex-Muslim. He was quite impressed. Um, it wasn't relevant for him because he is already studying the Bible with the person who's sending this text message. Hmm, nice. So, yeah. I tell you what, I will never knock... Um, I tell you... I, sorry. No. <laughs> I was just going to say that, you know, people who do stuff like that, like stuff dropping stuff in letterboxes or door knocking, because probably because I've done it, Yes. I don't see a problem with it. No, in, absolutely. Now, no, I, I respect it. I absolutely it, yeah, respect it's it. It's different if you're being disrespectful of a person who's there, as in if someone goes, hey, please leave, and you don't. That, that's different. But generally they're not like that. Then I would say universally uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, whoever, you know, that knock on your door are not like that. Yeah. I have never, ever had that kind of experience yeah. from any of those uh, kind of people that knock on the door. They're always super polite and yeah. super good to talk to. Um and just, you know, really nice. So I'm just like, you know, they believe in what they believe in and if you truly believe in something, it is mm. hypocritical not to share it. Yeah, not to do something about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I really believe that Jesus is going to come, literally come back to this earth, that it's going to happen soon and it is the best news that this world can receive. That's why I'm here on radio every morning. That's mm. why I get up at stupid o'clock in the morning <laughs> is because I really believe that. Yeah. And if you really believe it yourself and you've got something you really believe in, it's absolutely hypocritical to not get out and share. I have no respect for people that don't get out and share in some way uh, what God has done for them. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that way, but some way. Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. There's lots of different ways. Were you going to say something before? Do you want to? I was, but I can't remember what it was. Perfect, perfect. I was going to butt in. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. It was a terrible place to butt in. Sometimes I can get away with it. That one I could not. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see here. What are we going to talk about? We're talking about Ooh. the economy or something, weren't you? We were. We're going to talk about the economy. I was, I've was. i got a cool story here on Jesuits. I'm kind of leaning towards that one. But anyway. Okay. So we all know how the economy has gone this year. Mm-hmm. It's been 2020, right? Not great. 2020 has been the year of just like forget this year ever existed. Uh-huh. And one of the things that people were wondering about was how is this going to affect, you know, because whenever the economy gets tight and you get a major economic downturn, it affects charities. Mm, yeah. Because charities are what people give to when they have excess money. Yeah. And so we've had, you know, massive economic downturn. I think it bottomed out in April was the worst point for the economy in Australia. And so how have Australians responded to that? Well, here's what's interesting. GoFundMe, which mm-hmm. is a organisation that runs online fundraising, donations, donation-based, has noted that donations in 2020 have been up 
Wow. From 2019 by 30%. <gasps> 30%. Most generous, uh, top five most generous uh, cities in Australia. Begins with Bundaberg, Queensland at the top. Top, So go Bundaberg. Not what I would have expected. Uh, congratulations, guys. <laughs> uh, second on the list, Wagga. Okay. In New South Wales. Third on the list, hey, North, what is it with North Queensland? Mackay. None of these towns are things that I would have put first. Mandurah in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. And then Launceston in Tasmania. Nice. Go to the Tasmanians. Big shout out for Tasmanians right now. <laughs> so that's like, those are your top five most generous uh, country uh, country towns in Australia um, or cities. Uh, Bushfire Appeals raised $31 million mm. in Australia, various bushfire appeals um, coming through the GoFundMe page. And just as a piece of trivia, the best day to start a uh, GoFundMe fundraiser for charity is on Monday. Interesting. Yeah. That's okay. really cool though. They could- that's really cool that in a time where, yeah, p- really the whole nation in one way or another, well, everyone's been affected. The whole nation has been affected and yeah. the whole nation has really pulled together Maybe in that's a really why. positive way. Because we've all gone through it. Do you know what Maybe I mean? Maybe it is. You know, if it's just someone else, it doesn't really affect you. But when you're going through it too, you're like, oh, if I'm feeling this, other people are feeling this. And they're feeling it worse than I am, so mm. I'll help them out. Mm. Uh, $2 million has been donated through GoFundMe to uh, various COVID uh, business Fundraisers to keep businesses up and running. Half of that has been in Melbourne. <laughs> kind of understandably. Yeah. <laughs> They've been hit pretty hard down oh, there. Yeah. Down in, uh, what do we call it? COVID Victoria? Oh. COVID Victoria? <laughs> I would not like <laughs> to have been down there this year. That oh, was rough. Barnacles. Yeah. Rough. Um, one out of 10 people who donated this year donated via GoFundMe. Uh, there have been 40,000 volunteer fundraisers, people who have gone out to fundraise, mm. 40,000 plus this year involved with it. That's a lot. Uh, which is a lot. And currently, right now, at this moment, uh, consumer confidence in Australia is at a 10-year high. Can you believe that? This is the end of 2020 and Australians are just optimistic. I... Definitely thought when you were going to talk about economy, I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be fun." This is—I just like—it just sounds like it's going to yes, be. Yes, but you will That's remember amazing. that during yeah. our off-air comments, I did mention I had some positively. You did, news. which yeah. is why I was like, "But how?" But that's really how cool. That it is. It is. That makes me happy. Okay, so Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales were up by five point seven percent from last year. Um, consumer sentiment is up forty-eight percent since April. So we were pretty. Um, no. Down in the dumps in not April. Not loving life. <laughs> we were not, not, not enjoying things back in April, but uh, we've gone up by 48% since then and we're now higher than what we were last year. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's just um, that's super cool. Anyway. It is um, interesting though. Oh, Jesuits. Yes, I can see that you're ready. You want to tell this story. Okay, so there is a big outcry in India over a Jesuit priest by the name of Stan Swamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been arrested uh, by Indian authorities in an anti-terror sweep. Um, he's among other 16 writers and activists who have been arrested by the ruling BJP government for allegedly inciting caste-based violence. 
interesting story to follow. The BJP is an incredibly uh, Hindu, nationalistic, anti-Christian, Christian-persecuting government. Uh, not just Christian persecuting, but persecuting anyone who's not Hindu. So Muslim persecuting as well. They've stripped like two million Muslims of their citizenship, you know, all kinds of – just full on. Whoa. India is full on. There's no such thing as religious liberty in that country right now. And so there's a lot of people that are protesting about this guy's arrest. I find it interesting, and I have no idea whether the guy is innocent, guilty or otherwise, or whether he should be arrested, whether he's doing good things or bad things. I do not know. Hmm. But being involved in this kind of activism is kind of – well, the Jesuit order has a very long history of that. And if you know the history of the Jesuit order, you're going to find that, uh, particularly in the past, and they still take the same oath today, they are basically trained as underground operatives. Hmm. Now, we would look at most Jesuits and say, well, they're just benign you know, school teachers. Uh, and they run colleges and so forth, and that's pretty much where you know. And, and, and for that reason, people sort of don't see the Jesuit order as having a lot of power. I would argue that education is the most powerful force that there is in the world. Full stop. If you change the educational system of a country in one generation, you've changed the entire country fully. And we can completely see that happening in our world. But you know, if you go back, and uh, this is from the Library of Congress in the United States. Um, and this is an actual Jesuit document um, where it says, uh, You have been taught to insidiously plant the seeds of jealousy and hatred between communities, provinces, and states that were at peace and incite them to deeds of blood involving them in war with each other and to create revolutions and civil wars in countries that were independent and prosperous, cultivating the arts and sciences and enjoying the blessings of peace. To take sides with the combatants and to act secretly in concert with your brother Jesuit who might be engaged in the other side but openly opposed to that which you might be connected. This is not conspiracy theory stuff. You can go to the Library of Congress. You can look all of this up. It is there on record. And you kind of see it's like, okay, these guys have been heavily involved in, you know, the political aspects of our world. And, you know, that's something that I'm opposed to. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Joining us in the studio this morning is Bruce Thompson. Bruce, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Now, Bruce, you have a very interesting feeling. We've just been having a bit of a chat off air before we uh, before we went on air about uh, your field. You're a physiotherapist, but you are also a hydrotherapist. And becoming a thermotherapist, yeah. I'm becoming a okay. thermotherapist. Yes, um... Yeah, there are lots of exciting things happening in that space at the moment. Like, okay, so we've got a rough idea of what a physiotherapist does. We're starting to hear a lot about hydrotherapy uh, in recent times and thermotherapy, that's something quite new. Before we get to thermotherapy, let's talk about hydrotherapy. How long has this been around for? I mean, we've really sort of been hearing about hydrotherapy for, what, the last 10, 15 years? You guys have. Um, (laughs) I actually got got into it back in the early 80s. Um, So you're a man way ahead of your time, way ahead of the time. No, no, we're actually all a bit behind times because actually the Greeks used it as far as we know, and I'm pretty sure that the Sumerians, Probably used it. They were very good medical people. So, so this is quite old technology. This is really. at least two and a half thousand years minimum. Probably four thousand years is more cl- is closer to it. Yeah, oh, that's pretty spe- spectacular. And yeah. We just happened onto it. <laughs> so okay. So did we, did we just discover it in the last? Well, did you just get discovered in the nineteen eighties, or is it? it has Actually, it been, how long has it existed in 
Western countries. Okay, back in the back in the late 1700s, they started developing in Germany. Lots of um, uh, well, that area, um, the Austrians, Kneipp uh, and Prisnitz were the names, and they they used a lot of cold water therapy, but also the warm spa baths and the mineral waters. But it's grown out of that, and what happened, especially in relation to our brand of Christianity is that that was developed by especially Dr. Kellogg in in, um, North America and he developed it to the stage where he was treating all sorts of major diseases with it at a time, now we're talking around about 1900, where even the best like William Osler who was the father of modern medicine, he he gave hydrotherapy prescriptions, so it's it's sort wow. of mainline physio- it's mainline medical treatment back, you know, 150, 120 years ago. But uh, along came better drugs, and much they're much more convenient, much cheaper. Yeah, if I can take a pill, it's better than having two people treat me for half an hour, kind of thing, with hot and cold water. So it went out of favour um, because it. It was hard to do, and so it was kind of lost in the middle years of the uh, of the twentieth century. And it's the reason it's come roaring back just this year, especially, is because for me anyway, is that what I did was I did a really deep dive into this stuff and found you could use it really effectively for many different sorts of infectious diseases, so like fevers. Um, I worked in in Thailand for a while, and we treated people with with dengue fever and malaria, and you know, big sort of diseases. And yeah, some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. So, and they get better really quickly. You know, right down to morning sickness for pregnant women. You know, you, um, it just fixes it. And you think, and I, I was seeing this and saying, "Wow, this is pretty good." So, I got a, I got a whole heap of the whole heap. I've got three or four medical textbooks on hydrotherapy and summarised them, ended up with a nearly 1,000-page website. It's sort of an encyclopedia because I I couldn't remember what they were saying. And so that's called traditionalhydrotherapy.com. And um, it's a place where I'm still amazed that it's all there, but amazing stuff. And Including, and that's why this year, Spanish flu. They treated Spanish flu in 1918-1919. And so early this year, I got a couple of doctors got together and said, we should ask this guy to make a protocol. And so I worked with one of them, who you know is probably Emma Campbell, and she, um, she and I put together a protocol for COVID treatment based on what... Uh, they did back in 1918 wow. and so some of the feedback from that's been really interesting because our aim was basically try and keep people out of hospital mm. keep the people uh, and um, that keep um, as many of those um, ventilators available yeah. for people that really need yeah. them as possible yeah. yeah okay so let me ask let me just focus in on that for a second because we haven't had a lot of COVID cases in Australia no we've been really fortunate and um, very very fortunate but they are actually doing a trial of it in America at the moment at a little college in uh, North California, Weimar College. They, they've got, they had 20 cases last I heard, and that, that trialling out the protocol. Um, but what that also did was put me in touch with a lot of people who have been working with it because 
basically hydrotherapy was sort of forgotten and my website had been sitting around for nearly 10 years and it's, oh no, hang on, seven years. No, it would be 10 years. <laughs> and um, um, very sleepy sort of place. No one paid much attention to it. Then all of a sudden I'm getting all hits from all over the place and um, all these people in the United States who have so much information. But what's really exciting is that I had missed completely out on the new infrared saunas and the new because it was all water therapy back then because that was the best way to get heat and cold onto the body with these um and the cryotherapy tubs where you put people in like minus 150 degrees air you know it's really cold stuff and um amazing stuff but there's a there's some science really the world is intriguing science behind it and so that treating things like uh, congestive heart failure really effectively um, uh, improvement seen on your second treatment of, of infrared sauna and just a whole range of things uh, type 2 diabetes um, rheumatoid arthritis Lyme disease even right up to cancer, they're combining it with chemotherapy and using it to treat um, resistant cancers in Germany particularly. That so, is absolutely phenomenal. Go ahead, Minnie. Oh, no, I was just going to ask you, so with these treatments, obviously you mentioned earlier that you know, as, as kind of medication and that side of things kind of improved, is it that the treatments take a long time or you have to have consistency in them? Like what does that kind of look like? They... Okay, I'll, I'll ex- go, go back a bit because okay. as a physiotherapist, we were trained to put local heat on, thermal sure, thermal. Yeah, therapy. we all have so, sort of a hot pack or an ice pack somewhere yeah, in the house okay. somewhere for when we uh, sprain an ankle or whatever. Mm. Which has been a really good basis for what, when I found out about hydrotherapy, because what hydrotherapy, the old-fashioned, traditional hydrotherapy, is very much based on, and this is where you're coming from, Minnie, is... Um, the person themselves you you treat them and you watch them carefully you see how they respond to the treatment even down to do you like hot or cold you know some people oh, wow. prefer a cold treatment to a they like they don't want to feel hot in the sauna sort of thing and so you you work with their so because when you finish your hydrotherapy treatment which is really probably i think the major point of it you feel better afterwards mm. you feel I actually think you. my job as a hydrotherapist is being the physical hands of Jesus. They should feel like they have been, they have been loved when they mm. finish the treatment. Mm. You should feel really comfortable. You should feel that the symptoms should go away. In fact, that's, that's what they did back treating the Spanish flu, and it works with, the, with COVID too. The people have got back to me. They feel so much better straight after the treatment. I had one man from India say to me, you've saved me going to hospital with this thing, um, using these treatments. But what um, it is amazing, at the end of the treatment, people are just sort of, wow, that, yeah. something so simple and I feel so so much better straight away. They're not cured. They, they still have their issues. But that's what hydrotherapy has added to my sort of repertoire. And now with thermotherapy... Which is, if I could comment on that very quickly, just from my own experience, you think of something like, say, for instance, this is probably old school hydrotherapy, I don't know, but something as simple as, say, a wet sheet pack. 
So, oh. I mean, you imagine this. You get a cold, wet sheet. Yeah. You get naked. You get wrapped in it, right? Mm-hmm. And you think, could there be anything worse than being wrapped <laughs> in a wet, clammy, cold sheet? At the end of that treatment, you're just like, ah, oh, I'm in heaven. Uh-huh. And it's like, wow, how does it even happen? I don't even know how that happens, but it's exactly the it's exactly what happens, isn't it? You know? Yeah, and lots of people go to sleep there. You know, this <laughs> is, and you're in a wet sheet. You start off in a cold wet sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really unusual stuff. It makes you stop and think. And I, I that's what I I loved about using that. But now, as I'm seeing this, and as a result of our all this stuff, I've actually got myself a got offered a job uh, to work to work at um well I'm a consultant I guess at uh, at the attuned clinic locally here and um I'm going to be consulting thermotherapists and Okay so tell me about thermotherapy now well yeah we need to talk okay. about that cuz I got uh, a, I, we've got a rough idea you know you can go to your local health spa you know wherever mm-hmm. and they're going to offer hydrotherapy and you got hot cold and showers and you know all kinds of different stuff that's happening there Tell me about thermotherapy I've sort of made that up like I made up the name traditional hydrotherapy because hydrotherapy is often con- confused with pool therapy. Mm. But thermotherapy is a combination of the things I learned from physiotherapy and the hydrotherapy, but with the addition of measuring it carefully because when they, um, when a lot of these people are doing say the cancer treatment stuff they keep really good records and so forth which I didn't do before so it's a lot a lot more um, scientific and the, the the other thing it brings to it is uh, a sense of let's use it as research let's make this really count whereas before it was just treating the person getting them better and you'd, you'd have a good story rather than keeping the stats and so thermotherapy is much more um, scientific, but it's also a lot uh, using a. There's been a lot of change in how we can apply hot and cold since since 1918. Yeah, wow. So um, you know, hot and cold back then was uh, you know hot water and ice at the mm-hmm. two different extremes, and you know apply that to the body in in, yeah. in different ways. But um, okay, so when we talk about thermotherapy, I mean, if we compare, you you talked about sauna. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've talked about okay. So, how does say if you if you go to a local health spa, you might have the sauna on one side and the steam bath on the other. How do they compare with each other? And when and then where do, would thermotherapy? Fit well, the, the, all, all thermotherapy would use both of them. It's right. it's it's got all of those added in, but it's just that it's done in a in a much more um, scientific manner, but also done uh, using much more convenient methods especially well just think about it if if i was if covid was raging around us here and we were putting people in a spa bath you probably would have to change the water between mm. each person really in this day and age whereas a, a, a an infrared sauna there's no moisture people just go in you t- bring your own towel you have a sauna and go out it's it's very clean it's also very convenient. All you need is a 15-amp PowerPoint and you've got a spa. I mean, a sauna. People have them at home now, the infrared saunas. Very is it more controlled? Because, I mean, with a sauna, when you go into the sauna, you're sort of like, well, I have no real, no real idea how hot it is. The thermostat hanging on the, you know, a, a thermometer, sorry, is hanging on the wall. And every now and then I um, dump a um, spoonful of water mm. on the hot coals. Mm. 
and uh, sit back down and say, am I going to be able to make it to the end of this one, you know? <laughs> it is like that. Uh, yes, uh, well, it does. The temperature on most sauna, most saunas you buy for your home anyway are, are 60 degrees maximum, whereas a, um, the old-fashioned saunas would go pretty close to 100, some oh. of them. So, yeah, yeah. the old hot rock ones are just yes, go as, as, as high as you could stand it. Yeah, until you have to rush out <laughs> roll in the snow. Look That's forward right. to rolling the snow. Um Yes, it is more controlled, but it's also really clean and it's really simple to use and almost anyone can use it. You can set a timer and you can say, well, the timer's gone, time to go. So you can download the protocol off of your website. So basically, my website actually went up for the first time yesterday, so it's just being set up at thermotherapy.org because um, the old traditional hydrotherapy is really an encyclopedia of what they used to do which is a really good thing to know because they were very they they were brilliant people with the equipment they had but yeah nowadays i think there's a way we can do it more simply and also once the protocol's been written and i think that's my job that's the job i'm sort of taking on at the minute is writing protocols for these things so people can treat themselves but i'd also like to using that data sort of gathering thing to also have it so that people could if you use the protocol fill in this to say how it went so we know we know what works and what doesn't okay so how safe is this then because i mean if you've got people that are sort of downloading a protocol off the internet and treating themselves that kind of has that ring to it of like yeah this is not what you should do you should be going to a professional Mm. um do people run health risks uh, you know, if they've got other, you know, comorbidities or something like that, you know, let's say they've got a bad heart or whatever, um, do they run health risks with some of these treatments? There are health risks. And so uh, what, I, what I've already done is draw up a letter to the doctors so that they take it to their doctor, uh, especially with something like congestive heart failure. You, you, you don't mess around with that. So yeah, what you do is you take it to the doctor and doc just check me out for all these things am i okay am i good to go and also encouraging the doctor because most doctors have never seen the papers on it but especially um congestive heart failure there's a there is some really good research backing it and so just saying these the references um and this is their basic findings look it up if you like to um just so that they know it's not it's not this as you say hokey sort of stuff that you know, should I be doing this or not? But basically, if people can go to a place where they can download stuff and take the letter to the doctor and be reassured that this has been found to be safe, and also the fact that we are following, especially if that we sort of follow it up in a way and say, wow, you, that happened to you. We, we didn't expect that. Let's Let's work out why that happened and so it doesn't happen again to someone. And... That's sort of the job I've given myself, that people who are... And I think this is where we as helping people in the community too. I'd like to see people, Christian people, because this is really up our alley, is sort of advise people on these things. More important than that, though, I think it's... What happens is people feel better very quickly because actually what they're finding is that heat is the biggest one of the biggest certainly the biggest component for systemic change in exercise you know exercise is good for everything you know it gets rid of your depression gets it yeah it does everything for you the only thing you don't get from a sauna 
is stronger muscles. The rest of it is you'll get all the other benefits from having a sauna and they think a lot of the benefits of exercise are actually the rise in body temperature you get when you exercise. And so, and that amazing and it's, I've only known this stuff for six months and I'm sort of, it blows my mind, but things like heat shock proteins, which are like having millions, billions of little proteins going around your body, just checking all the protein in your body saying, oh, that's good, now we'll take that out. And so if you go in, when you exercise and raise your body temperature or go into the sauna or a hot tub bath, whatever, you get these heat shock proteins, just check, oh, you know, there's there's some heat out there, it's a bit stressful, let's just make sure the body's in really good nick so it can cope with this. And so that's why after the second um, uh treatment in a sauna a person with congestive heart failure will have measurable improvement in the health of their blood vessels their blood vessels are actually measurably more more healthy just after two treatments so when we talk about covid i mean covid comes along and i guess the first thing for you as a hydrotherapist is okay this is a fever how do we treat this do we just treat it like other fevers and does that work you know you Um, just take a fever bath and i do you have the same effect with that kind of fever as you have with other kinds of fevers? There are different sorts of fevers, um, but I don't see any... The physiology I, I've seen of COVID, and I haven't actually treated COVID people, but I've spoken to them on the phone, and um, there's I, there's no reason why... There's no physiological reason why the, the normal hydrotherapy won't work. And so that protocol... Um, that's why they're using it at Weimar and so forth. Yes, and there are, yeah, other places. But that, but so so there. So is, when a person has a fever, yeah, and let's say you do a fever bath or one of their sauna treatments or something like that, you talked about you know physiologically, you know, there's um, these, you know, proteins running around and checking everything. In in relationship to a fever, what is actually physiologically taking place in the body where the hydrotherapy is actually going to, you know, attack the uh, the virus, to say the coronavirus. My guess is it's part of the the immune system. What 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 we know from measurements is that um, you can treble your white cell count. You just all your white cells in three days if you're sick with just three days of not so much even fever baths. You just need to have a just get to sweating something that'll get you to sweating. You know whether it's wrapping yourself up in a blanket and lying in the sun or or you know oh, getting. That's the goods. That's the one I like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so there's very simple ways to do it. Everything except exercise, because uh, if you've actually got a viral infection, you can get heart damage from the if if you if you exert yourself too much. But if you get into a hot tub bath, it's not going to it, it won't damage your heart. But basically, what actually happens is the the immune system is spurred on by fevers. That's that's the, that's, that's what the, really that's switches. That's the function of a fever, isn't it? Is yes, fever is it basically is. the body's so like, fevers. need to get rid of this, so I'll create a fever, raise the white blood cell count. This is the body yes. doing it to itself. Yes. yes, and what's fascinating about COVID is it actually suppresses. There are people coming in with low white cell counts going into hospital really deadly sick with this with covid it it somehow suppresses the immune system and says hey there's nothing dangerous here wow. you know don't Ooh. move on it's a, it's a, a very it's it's a very different well not very different there are other bugs that do that but yes it, it's it's different and so what if if i was to give you i'd give so the basic treatment for 
COVID is you heat the body up until you sweat. And so um, what that does is it says to the body, there's something here, go yeah. looking for it, and it will search harder. But see, 80% of people without any treatment will get over COVID. So it's not, won't have to go to hospital, they won't. So, yeah, so it's not, so what this does is it, turn, so it's not abnormal, it's just, for the, if you're one of those people whose immune system hasn't picked this up, it will then Tick go around looking for something and, hey, I found this. And if it takes, it only takes three days, three, three days of treatment and you should be over all your symptoms if you, do, if you get straight onto it. Yeah, fantastic, Bruce. Bruce Thompson, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been one of our mm. longer interviews. We've stretched out the time because it's been though. so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, to hear about hydrotherapy, thermotherapy, and uh, what you're doing—you know, treating COVID and other really, really nasty diseases. Mm. Thank you so much for joining, joining us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.